Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. And I'm Jay. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, the fourth season of Star Trek Discovery. Sinequa Martin-Green stars as Michael Burnham, captain of the Discovery, along with the returning Doug Jones, Anthony Rapp, Mary Wiseman, Wilson Cruz, Bluedale Barrio, David Ajala, and Tig Nataro. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. This was something I knew they were, I think we mentioned it when we covered last season. They were going to do more with the bridge crew for this season. And boy, do they. Uh, my list of notes is almost an entire page of the actors and their characters because they're all necessary for uh, what happens in the season, which actually and we will talk about it when we get towards the end, but they, they start to break the crew up a little bit this season. Um, well, especially I'd long-standing say, members. I'd say a lot. because It wasn't until watching the season finale and having the characters come together and interact, it made me realize that we've not seen certain characters together for such a long time. And that's going to play into what you're talking about, whereas we're getting to learn more about characters and by mixing up the characters. So it's not just Michael and Tilly. Like Tilly's going to go off and be with somebody else. And then we're getting to see different aspects of characters' personalities. But yeah, it made me miss the crew as a whole when they came together at the end. But as you say, it did serve a purpose for the season. But with with Star Trek, I mean, it's it seems like such a long time now since Discovery first started. And when it did, it was the first Star Trek TV show since Enterprise. And since yep. then, we've got so much Star Trek and there's more Star Trek coming. But it's I find it really novel going back and covering season four now because we've done each season since it yeah. came back and we've done... Lower Decks, we've done the first season of Picard. Yeah, yeah and there's, as we record this, Picard season two is still running. Uh, we've had trailers for Strange New Worlds and season three of Lower Decks, and Prodigy is coming back from its mid-season hiatus. That's five star trek series that are not this one and this is the one that kicked off this kind of revolution that we're back in this uh um, resurgence which i'm really thankful for and they were also talking about the uh jj abrams started um timeline with chris pine and uh those actors reprising a fourth star trek movie that's in the pipeline supposedly coming out next year despite the fact that it was all news to the actors that the movie was even in development never mind about having a release date i mean that was interesting i did read that agents were reaching out to their stars or their clients and they're like no we didn't know either like yeah you know, paramount just announced i think it was star trek day wasn't it with the big con yeah. and they announced it there and and it was a thing. And I mean, as well as Pine coming back as Kirk, 
they've cast Kirk for season two of Strange New Worlds, which has already been picked up for a second season ahead of the season one premiere. So yeah. we're going to get Kirk on TV. I mean, I don't know what that means for Pike. Is he sticking around for season two? Does Anson Mount know? Do we know? I guess we'll have yeah. to wait and see. I guess the point of all of this is just highlighting how much Star Trek we have right now and how much more Star Trek is on its way. And it all started again with Discovery. This is the show that kickstarted Star Trek once again being a weekly TV show. Yeah, and for this season four, um, as with every season of the show thus far and with all the other Star Trek shows we're getting, the quality of the production is so high. Uh, it's I, I'm still shocked that we live in an era when you got Star Trek and Star Wars series uh, that you watch at home that have the budgets and the uh, production values of anything they put on the big screen. Like I'm sure when the, I should say if, but it looks, it's looking more like a, when we get the next uh, Kelvin timeline film come out, they have really got to, spend some money and uh, go big to differentiate like the difference between the production values of their TV shows now and what should be a big tentpole blockbuster on the big screen that you want people to go leave their houses for. I'm like, why would I leave my house for that Star Trek when I get equal quality Star Trek at home, if not better? Well, it's interesting that you're saying that because I'm not sure if you, well, I guess you haven't. Chris Pine was asked what, does he think or what would he want the next Star Trek film to be? And he said, essentially, a cheaper movie and more about characters and their relationships and make a Star Trek film for Star Trek fans, but not have it cost too much for a studio, whereas they're having to count on, you know, box office and all this, you know, returns, but then is potentially making what could be an episode of Discovery. Or change yeah. new worlds if he's going to scale it yeah. back. But I like that the actor is putting thought into the character and the franchise and just thinking, you know, what would Star Trek fans like from a Star Trek film? But even though it's confirmed, whether it happens or not, we we'll just have to wait and see. Because at one time, we were going to be getting a Star Trek film written by Quentin Tarantino. That's no yeah. longer happening, but at one time, apparently that was going to be a thing. And then I was hearing something about the film was to completely take place on a holodeck. So it's like, okay. I don't know what that would have would have been. Just a, not being dismissive, but just a Tarantino film. Yeah. Only yeah. some of the characters have pointed ears. But other than yeah. that, I mean, a holodeck can be anything. Well, let's let's talk Discovery and specifically season four. Active yeah. development on the season began by January 2020, with more time spent writing than previous seasons due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Burnham's new role as captain is explored following her promotion at the end of the third season, while the space anomaly that the characters face is a metaphor for the pandemic. 
New filming processes were implemented to ensure safety during the pandemic, which caused some production delays and a video wall was constructed to allow for filming in front of real-time computer-generated backgrounds. That sounds like them taking a page from the Mandalorian's book to me. It absolutely does, but it's clearly, you know, worked for them. And you've already spoke about the, the quality of the show and how, how good visually it looks, but they've found a way around certain restrictions and implementing this technology has obviously benefited them. I wonder if that's why they did the choice of splitting up certain crew members onto like, like, uh, Tilly goes off on a mission with some cadets on a shuttle whilst Michael's going somewhere else while Booker is doing something else. Like that's their way of getting less people on set to continue production during the pandemic. Do you know what it could be? And it wasn't until doing prep for this that I didn't even think about COVID-19 restrictions that they may have faced on set. So the fact that I was finding out afterwards this is obviously what they were having to work with is good on their part because it didn't take me out of the show that maybe this is what they were doing. Remember when we reviewed Titans season three? Yeah. That felt, I mean, you could see the restrictions coming into play and you'd have like almost bare streets and certain characters put together. Whereas the nature of this season and this show Well, it wasn't noticeable at all to me. Yeah, same. Uh, It's only in retrospect, because it's been so long and we've lived with the pandemic so long at this point, I I kind of forget the kind of uh, restrictions it does put on film and television. Like it's, and we have technology now that they can use to cover those, some of those restrictions as well, that the video wall is just, it's one way of doing it uh, as well as, you know, breaking down stories and which is something you, they should do. If you want to get across and something Star Trek's always done, you have your A plot and your B plot and the characters in the A plot are separate from the characters of the B plot. They can always intertwine, but it's, you know, that's how you get episodes with Geordie uh, LaForge uh, having a relationship with a woman on the holodeck whilst uh, Dr. Crush is trying to cure some pandemic on the on the Enterprise affecting crew or one specific crew member who maybe Worf's broke, got a broken spine and she's trying to regrow one. Like <laughs> those, yeah. th- that wasn't the same episode, but they, that's the sort of stuff they always do. But they it always it parcel it off. It could have been because they're happening yeah. alongside each other. You know, yeah, have you watched The Bubble on Netflix, the Judd Apatow film? No, it's probably worth you having a watch of that. Essentially, it's pretty much the making of Jurassic World, only okay. it's a fictional movie franchise, Cliff Beast, great comedy <laughs> cast, but it's filming in a bubble to continue production on a big movie during the pandemic. I'm going to watch it now. Don't look at Rotten Tomatoes because they've got it low. But just yeah. Yeah, check it out. We should talk about, actually, going back to Star Trek, how this season was actually released and how it differed to previous seasons. Because I remember, 
that in the US, they launched CBS All Access and Star Trek Discovery was their big show. Here in Australia, the first three seasons aired on Netflix and it felt, was it maybe a week? It was such a short period of time between was expecting season four on Netflix and then it being announced that here in Australia, we would have to wait until next year for it to hit Paramount Plus. But in the US, they were getting it on the original release date on Paramount Plus. It was... It was a bit of a mess. There was a lot of a lot of backlash in the UK. They got it on something called Pluto TV, which was like yeah. a station or streaming series that not many people knew about. But the whole thing was a mess. But again, with the backlash, it doesn't always happen. But they listened and they fixed it. So here in Australia, we were able to get it early on Paramount Plus, but I'm saying early, just in line with the US. Yeah, which is how we'd experienced the prior two seasons. And I remember we were discussing this about this season four of Discovery because I had just signed up for Paramount Plus and and only to then having signed up, gotten the information, oh, you're not going to be able to watch Discovery on that. I'm like, but that's... Part of the reason I got up uh, Star Trek is the reason I got Paramount Plus. But the reason I signed up for it when I did was because I knew Discovery was like a week or two away. I'm like, oh, I need to remember to set that up now so, instead of going to, to put on the TV and then having to sort it out at that point. Yeah. It just wasn't handled well because not only did you find out that the new season of Discovery wasn't going to be on Netflix. The previous three seasons disappeared. They, yeah. they were no longer there. I mean, in the US, all new Star Trek content now is on Paramount Plus. Here in Australia, Star Trek Discovery and Strange New Worlds will be on Paramount Plus, as is Prodigy. But then the, the first five episodes are available on Binge. But then Lower Decks is on Prime Video. Picard is still on Prime Video. So you've got to think eventually, just like in the US, all Star Trek content will be on Paramount Plus. But at the moment, here in Australia, you need two streaming services to watch Star Trek. Yeah, and I'm still sceptical for season three of Picard uh, because I remember at the time them having purchased three seasons off the bat that was a deal they did with patrick stewart like this is what we're planning these are what we've got in mind and i think from memory amazon paid for it up front as well well that's good i don't know they've 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 shot three even though we're still watching season two and we had to wait quite a while between seasons one and season two but season three, and they 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 made that announcement, didn't they, on Star Trek Day, first contact, yeah, yeah, of yeah. the next gen actors coming back for the third and final season. So you'd imagine yeah. that would finish up on on Prime Video. You'd imagine, yeah, yeah. But you know, Paramount might just cancel the. Uh, there's got to be legal reasons, like. 
if they're I mean, already showing season two in the US, I don't know why they wouldn't have options to take back un it could be what unrecorded you're seasons. Yeah, it could be what you're saying though. It's already been previously arranged. And, and again, like originally they were saying Discovery season four, we'd have to wait until next year. So nothing And I'm wondering if that was some prior contract thing that they had to sort out, like we we would have to spend no money and be able to put it back later and or we'd have to spend some money to put it up when we want to be releasing it so spend the money you're getting the money out of us you might as well just direct that to the bill for being us being able to watch it uh same week as the us because it was going to get spoiled we're living in the era of social media there's no way everything gets spoiled but saying that though i've got to be honest I don't know if too many people were talking about Discovery Season 4 as it was airing. And, no, and do you know I, what? I'm not even hearing too much about Picard either. I mean, I'm watching it, don't get me wrong. Each week I'm watching it as it's released. But when Season 1 came out, it was a big deal, wasn't it? Patrick Stewart returned to the role for the first time since Star Trek Nemesis. It was a big deal. And then... Season two, it gets released each week. And outside of that cast announcement on First Contact Day, not really hearing too much. I'm getting it through my social media feeds. Uh, it is taking probably you know, uh, a, the better part of a week for spoilers to get in, which gives me all the time necessary to catch the episodes, thankfully. But I am getting more Picard, but I got nothing from Discovery at all, uh, except for it's back after its it's break over Christmas. I'm going to be honest with you now. You're the only other person I know who is watching Discovery. (laughs) Other people that I know that had been watching it haven't been. Maybe it's because they don't have Paramount Plus, and that's where it is right now, but... I don't know. We talked about how it was a big thing, wasn't it? Star Trek back on TV after how many years? And then more content has followed, like Pike in season two of Discovery, getting his own spin-off and so much Star Trek and more simultaneous Star Trek on TV that we've ever had. Like we used yeah, to have and- like a slight overlap, but that was it really. But now we're having so many different shows pop up. Yeah. And I've always said from, I think it was the announcement of Picard and season two of Discovery uh, when they were putting together the CBS Plus or whatever they call it in the US. If they need me to spend 10 bucks a month or whatever to ensure I get Star Trek shows, tell me where to send my money. So when we finally got Paramount Plus, I was like, okay. I did say that out loud. I will be a man of my word and sign up as quickly as possible. Like I didn't even bother with the little week trial. I just signed up straight away, um, which, you know, the there's still some problems with the platform here in Australia. The the notable one being uh, we're, I think we're about to get the patch that will allow us to have multiple um, profiles on a, to a single account, which every other streaming platform does because uh my housemates are using my profile and there's catfish 
all over the place because they've been banging <laughs> right. through it. So I'm searching through where where was I up to on Star Trek? And there's nothing but catfish and Paw Patrol for some reason. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> I mean, you know what they're watching then. But do you know yeah. what? I, I feel like we should probably draw a line in the sand now and moving forward, let's just talk Discovery Season 4. I felt like it was necessary to talk about how we were able to access this season and just the messing around and the confusion around where you would be able to see it, depending where you were watching in the world. Um, and we've covered all the Star Trek, so much Star Trek. And as soon as season two of Picard wraps, we or finishes the season, we'll do a review of that. But for now, we can talk Discovery season four and to get us back on track i'll um i'll just i'll do the plot and then we can continue um with the review after yep. months spent reconnecting the federation with distant worlds captain michael burnham and the crew of the uss discovery are sent to assist a damaged space station a seemingly routine mission reveals the existence of a terrifying new threat saru returns to help the uss discovery We've got the same showrunners, Alex Kurtzman and Michelle Paradise. So they are back from the previous seasons. And you know what? It's a good thing because this is uh, a, a, a familiar path for them now. You know, they're, they're old hats. They've been involved with character decisions. They understand the development as they've got to this point. The big one being... Michael Burnham now being captain, which was the uh, closing moments, the final episode of the previous season, um, which feels like a long time coming. That being said, I also think it needed to take this long because one of the things they, when the show was being put together, the selling points was this is not a show following a captain. It is a show following a first officer. And they were very particular about the marketing around it. Um, and she definitely, from her, her character development, she needed to get to this point before you promote her because there were more level-headed um, characters in front of her with more authority, which made sense for, for Captain. Um, and, you know, she, Sonequa Martin-Green still the powerhouse of the show. It's all about her emotionality and her range. Um, you know, she's involved in all the major plot lines and all of the major players. Every, she's the nexus through which all of the, uh, the storylines travel through. Um, and she's, she remains to be great. Yeah, uh, she, she's... she really is. I think I've talked, because it's hard, because like I said, we've reviewed all of the seasons. I don't, I don't want to just say the same things that I've said previously, but I remember when she was first cast on the show, and I know an actress isn't their character, but when she used to be in The Walking Dead, I've not watched that show in a while, but I used to watch it and her character was in there. Really disliked her character. And I remember seeing her at a comic convention here in Perth. I was like, oh, there's an actress who plays that character that I don't like. And then she was announced for Discovery. And then very quickly just realizing that she is great. And she's yeah. consistently being excellent through all four seasons. 
and we've seen the the growing that her character has done but you're right like she goes through all the emotions and she is so solid as Michael yeah. she's definitely a highlight of the show yeah and she's having to do a lot of heavy lifting um I wonder how many Kleenexes she has to go through and how much makeup has to be reapplied between takes because there's a lot of tears and a lot of sweating because it's a very there's action heavy she's doing a lot of running at the opening of the first episode of the season her and book are pelting it through of the forest with people chasing after him i'm like the show's just started and already she's sweaty <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes <laughs> uh but yeah she, um the other thing doug jones academy oh, award winner yeah. doug jones uh it's it's smart because he stepped down from captain to help uh with uh, the resolution of previous season and to find where his people, the Kelpians are in this new future and to get them back on path until the spatial anomaly, which uh, pops up. Uh, but he comes back to serve as first officer, but of course he still has the rank of captain that you don't lose rank because he didn't retire. He just stood down. So they give him the honorary moniker of Mr. Saru, like Mr. Spock. Mm, I'm like, you I know like what? That. Very nice. It's yeah. good. It, it doesn't yeah. confuse when they go captain. You're not expecting you're like, which captain are they talking to? We know yeah, exactly because captain is Michael. Mr. Saru is Saru. So I think it's a, it's yeah, a it's small, really, small change. Yeah. Really helps. Really nice torch. Doug Jones, like we've said before, like before Discovery, like he was the guy, wasn't he? Like he'd pop up in Del Toro films. He was the zombie in Hocus Pocus. Like he'd been around for decades. Yeah. But he didn't always get a character. And then here he was as Saru on Star Trek. And each week you're tuning in, he's a reoccurring actor or regular actor on the show. And it's been great seeing him on it. And I remember him talking about his approach to the movement of Saru. And he'd been watching supermodels and how they would sway and wave their arms. And that's yeah. what he used and incorporated into his movements as Saru. So, yeah, I think about every time I see him moving, he's swaying. <laughs> yeah. And he gets, say... It gets a love story, which was which was nice. You know, there's so we again, you know, having our regular characters interact with new characters, we're seeing different sides of their personalities and new relationships. Yeah. Um, and just like everyone else who can see clearly what's happening with Saru and his uh romantic interest, who is the president of Navara, which is the new name for Vulcan. Like, you know, the characters see the interactions and they all give you like a turn to each other, like, oh, look what's happening. And we're there. We're emotionally there because we've been with him through everything, through his uh, fear response, because the way Kelpians were in season one to uh, season two, where he's gotten over it and he's moved into a new thing. To season three, where he's the captain and he's the person steering the ship figuratively and literally. And here we are in season four and he gets to 
with all that character development, take a step down from responsibility uh, and gives him some personal life. Like he, now he's not like the captain. He has that time, which, you know, we want for all of our characters. We want, I want all of the bridge crew to have eventually reached because it's always been a Star Trek staple. Next gen was the prototype for who did it best because for the original series, it pretty much was just Kirk, Spock, and Bones. But next gen, the entire bridge crew had that a level of character development. I mean, they also had seven seasons, but so, but you know, we're in season four, there's some catch up to do. But yeah, it's again continues to be fantastic, as is Paul Stamets, played by Anthony Rapp. Uh, he's he's had massive character development, he's not yeah, the yeah, ultra tight controlling, yeah. Yeah, those traits are still there. But you know what, though, and and I know we're spending time with more of the bridge crew, and we're not just seeing them in the background. And then there's even more characters added to the season with them being fixed in the future now. Yeah, I mean he he had a lot less to do this season. Yeah, I mean with the spore drive in the previous seasons. So much was so heavily reliant on his character. Yeah. And he, for me, did... He had a lot less to do this season, but it's an ensemble, and they're giving more screen time to, to more characters, so you, they could never give him the same amount of screen time as previous seasons. But I did notice his character in particular was one that we weren't seeing as much as we normally would. Yeah, because you're not reliant on him for all the science stuff now. You have Adira and uh, Jet Reno. You've got uh, Book, who can also jump the spore drive. And you've got Hugh, who he's he's doing the... He's becoming a father figure and really progressing that way. But yeah, on terms of... You even have Zora, like... The ship itself is now sentient and yeah, taking over a bunch of his a new, role. A new thing. A very yeah. much a new thing for Star Trek. You're right. Yeah, the ship is now sentient and yeah. is a character on the show. But Anthony Rapp, you know, he's, he's doing, but he's bringing the same energy. You know, he's doing the same thing in a good way that he did in the previous seasons. We're just seeing less of it due to his screen time. I mean, think back to season three. We've got so much between him and Adira. Like when she was coming yeah. to terms with who she was and the loss that she had, and he was a great support to her. So, yeah, I think between her and the spore drive, we've definitely lost some screen time with him. But you did mention Hugh, played by yeah. Wilson Cruz. I've got to say, like, always liked him as a character. And early on, there was a time where he died, but then he came back and it was a whole thing. And that's, that's a fair thing that you said is like a father figure for the, whole, for the whole crew. And I really like his character. I like the actor. I like the, the portrayal of the character. Just everything about what he's doing, just the delivery that we're getting from Cruz, I don't know, it's the whole character 
is is working for him. But again, like for the most part, he's not with Paul. So we're not yeah. seeing Anthony Rapp. But we are getting more Q in this season, which I was I was happy for. Yeah, and he's having to do double duty because uh established back in next gen, there was chief medical officer and ship's counselor. And he's having to do both, which he's gives him great screen time. And yeah. Diana. Yeah. Um, and it's great. And I love the interactions he gets to have. Like he's having trouble. He's everyone's support network, which he's burning himself out because he's got his support networks down to dust uh, Stamets. But like you said, they're not getting screen time together. So he's having to reach out. He's trying to, you can see him struggling and holding this in. So he's talking to uh, Dr. Kovic about his issues, who's played phenomenally by David Cronenberg. He is so good. His character is so, so matter of fact, cut and dry, but so perfect. He's like, but. You know, I've seen his name in the cast. I've seen him in the show. It still doesn't seem real that David Cronenberg is an actor. In a yeah. Star Trek TV series. Yeah. But yeah, their scenes are great. In fact, Cronenberg, his scenes with anybody, like, and he's got that dry delivery. But it just, yeah, yeah it, it's strange to me. He's <laughs> in a yeah. Star Trek show. Yeah. But they, they work so well together because Hugh is so empathetic and so emotional against someone who's just like cut through all of the bullshit. It's like, you can't deal with it. No one can what do you want? Like you did this, this, and just the cold facts as they laid out as a scientist would like, you need to get over it. I don't have an answer for you, but I'm not going to like coddle you. You need to figure this out because eventually you're going to fail and you will fail, not just yourself, but anyone else who you're the psychological support for. But yeah, great work for the, he got, he got a lot more uh, development this season by, it, taking away screen time from Anthony Rapp, but you know Wilson Cruz. I mean, he lights up every scene he's in. Like, yeah, the white uniform helps. Yeah, but yeah he's I, also... I know, and he's got an extra bit of peppered white in his beard. I, I don't yeah. know. There's just when whenever he's on screen, he just for me, he just dominates the scene. Like he's got such a yeah. strong, yeah, such strong performance, and I think it's like you're saying that he is such. Like, it's so much support for the crew. Like, it's pulling double duties. And I think that's why the character is so endearing as well. Like, you know, he's sacrificing what he needs for himself for the for the others. And yeah. And he has chemistry with everyone. He does. And he's he's a great character. Yeah. And but uh, you know, he, yes, the character clicks and has chemistry with everyone, but it's it's the performance that like Wilson Crew. So yeah. you know, can't speak highly enough of him. And, you know, we've talked a little about Book already, David Arjala back. Yeah. And it's one of those things, isn't it, where we we know what is a part of isn't the right thing. Yeah. So you kind of like, you, you feel like you're waiting like the whole season for the penny to drop, for him to realise, actually, I'm on the wrong side of things here. And I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. So you, you're just waiting and waiting and waiting. So I think because of that, it felt like that part of the season did drag on 
a little bit. It does get yeah. a bit more interesting when uh, Jet Reno, Tignataro, she has been taken. She wants licorice. She's got a little yeah. device like she's trying to signal discovery. So there's things going on there. So that makes it a little bit interesting. But when it's just booking his mate on that ship, oh, yeah, it just... Yeah. It dragged, but that's why when Jet was there, oh, okay. She's spicing up these scenes a little bit. She's got her own little thing going on. She's interacting yeah. with them, making it a little bit more interesting. But yeah, that, that was a bit of a drag, unfortunately. Yeah. And to speak uh, on the whole of the show, the anomaly, it's a large gravitational anomaly, uh, anomaly five light years wide that ends up when the, they go to investigate the space station, uh, the, a gravitational wave destroys Book's homeworld. Uh, and he barely escaped himself, but he understands his, his family, his people, everything's completely gone. Um, and that's the grief he's carrying throughout the season, which the writers use as the excuse for his actions. He's full of, he's full of grief. He has survivor's guilt, severe survivor's guilt but he's also full of rage because they discover the, this gravitational anomaly, which is the D they shrink down to DMA, which I will continue with for the rest of this because it's far quicker. Um, it is artificial. It has been made by a species they're unaware of species 10 C. And now he has somewhere from going from the grief and guilt of, oh, it's a survivor's guilt. It turns to rage of someone's responsible for this. And it all becomes, I want revenge on this and to stop them from doing it from someone else. So his actions come out of an understandable place of, I don't want anyone to suffer as I am suffering. Um, and also justice must be served. But it, like you said, every single decision he makes from about episode four onwards you're just like waiting for the penny to drop of like you know you're wrong you know you're wrong everyone is telling you you're wrong and you you can acknowledge that every person's correct because of you're coming at this from an, a, a pay, place of pain and uh like emotion and you're, you're too close to it but you keep barreling on with the single voice that goes your way who is uh Taka and you'll yeah and it's the whole season like and he's doing a phenomenal job his acting ability is so good he's crying more than uh Sonequa Martin Green <laughs> this season yeah he's having to be so vulnerable for the audience because his race is empathic not in the same way as Deanna Troy and her race but still empath empathic um and he's when he you can see anger come in you can see his eyes change in like just the slightest way and it's believable and it conveys quickly and uh you can understand all of it and but yeah it is still very much waiting for like you know you what you're doing is wrong like when are you going to wake up like when are you going to acknowledge like because he's got some great scenes with wilson cruz which when he's trying to counsel him through his grief and it's so, so well done uh, and so beautiful. And the messages they're conveying about grief and it has to be acknowledged and dealt with, with a professional help, you know, mental health is not 
something that gets talked about favorably, but you know, when every person that gets overwhelmed eventually, and it happens to everyone, they need a support network, someone to talk to, some way to work through it. But his, he kind of pushes back from uh, Hugh and goes towards Taka, who is someone who's been li- who's kind of living the exact same idea, but with very different motivations. Um, and we should say Taka is played by Sean Doyle. I've seen him in so many things before this. Uh, he's a genius. He's the one working on from the future, working on the next generation sport act to replace the reliance on the lithium. But he's obsessed with the power supply for the DMA because he wants to jump to another universe. And that's the only thing he's discovered with the power necessary for him to do it because his good I don't know if it's supposed to be a love interest for him or just his a, a very close friend who's the only one he's had in his life of slavery and being misunderstood yeah. and living in the Orion syndicate. It's not quite not romantic enough. No, I, yeah, I took that as, as friendship. And it makes a point of saying to Book that he's not had many friends, but he counts him among one of them. So he's, yeah, he's, he's obviously someone that's had a hard life not many friendships and he's an abrasive got, personality. Yep. That's it. So, but he's got an agenda and he's going to let nothing get in his way. And that's why he's not giving book all the information. That's where jet comes into it. She's saying, Hey, it's not right. What he's looking at doing. And there's going to be far more casualties than he's letting on. Yeah. And then um, book sees the error of his ways. But I mean, we're talking, this is a, a 13 episode season. And episodes could be anywhere between 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. So unfortunately for me, some of it did drag and it was often around these areas. And I mentioned Sylvia Tilly, played by Mary Wiseman. You're right. She did have the episode where she had the cadets, which was interesting earlier on in the season. But then other than just standing beside somebody when we'd cut to her on occasion she wasn't doing too much and that's what i mean earlier when i said that when the crew came together and they're all you know they've succeeded and they're all coming together and celebrating and and i was like oh wow just like seeing tilly back amongst everybody and that's when it was making me think oh i've missed this i've missed the closeness of the crew but again whether it's covid or storytelling reasons we didn't get it for the most part. But yeah, this- and she was the one who probably had the most screen time robbed from her yeah. to deliver it, to spread it across the rest of the crew because I mean, she was our third char- main character we had for well, season. Well, she was because it was about Michael and she was her roommate. So they got and, to Yeah, do- her roommate and best friend. So much- yeah, so they got to do so much together so i think splitting the crew although it did serve a purpose i would hope for a fifth season we're going to have the crew more together i mean i get the reason why because star trek is always having the crew together it's like when they did ds9 let's have it be a space station let's have the adventure come to them let's not have it so it's just another show about another starship let's do something a little bit different so maybe they've got it out their system 
for season four and we're going to get the crew more together in a more traditional Star Trek sense. But I think something else that I did struggle with a little bit, and, you know, Star Trek has always been in the future. Yeah. But just the fact that this season is so far, so in, the far future. in the future, yeah, where the Federation had failed. Because what they would, I mean, they pigeonholed themselves, hadn't they, with Discovery, having it be at a particular time where sooner or later they're going to come up against Pike, which they did, Kirk, which, again, we're going to get in the second season of Strange New Worlds. Yeah. So then they've jumped them. So it's like they thought, oh, well, to avoid any confusion, because this is all canon, whether it's next gen, Voyager, doesn't matter. It's all one Star Trek. So they've moved them to a point in the future where they can't interfere with anything else that we've seen previously. And I, I did think maybe they were going to bring them back. And at one point, even when watching the finale, I kind of thought that's what they were saying. When they're, oh, let's go back to Earth and let's do this and let's do that. But no, they're still in the future. They're going to continue to be there. But it's more about rebuilding the Federation after it once failed. And we get to meet the president of United Earth, played by Stacey Abrams who yeah. is very much a real person, not the president, but the... the. Um, are we saying actress? I don't think she's acted before, although she is great in this. But if you're unfamiliar, she is the former Georgia State representative. She's noted for being a rights activist and a very big Star Trek fan. Okay. So I didn't know she was an actress. No, but this is the thing, right? Because you put me onto it. What's the name of that Star Trek podcast? And it's presented by Tony that is in oh, Lower The Decks. Pod Directive. Yep. The Pod Directive, right? One of the episodes, Stacey Abrams was a guest. Oh, and she listened to that episode. There you go. And she was talking about her love of Star Trek. So I was familiar with her from that podcast and I looked her up a little bit and then seeing her in this episode, and I did say that not much has leaked, not much has been talked about. I did hear she was in it. So I knew it was coming and I was pleasantly surprised knowing that she's not an actress. You wouldn't have known it. She was no. great. I thought that she was going to have very little dialogue. So when she goes to say something and Burnham interrupts her, not in a negative way, but by just saying something about what they've been through, I thought they were going to be using that as a way to shift the dialogue away from that character. But no, then she goes and she's exchanging dialogue back and forth with Sinequa Martin-Green and... Yeah, she was she was really good in it. You wouldn't yeah. know, and I guess you didn't know that she wasn't. An actor. No, and she, of all the new in characters introduced this season, she gets the most screen time. Like she's not just one episode; she's in multiple episodes throughout the season. Um, and she she introduces something that oh, we no, haven't no, seen no, a the, lot no, of. The, no, the president from the finale. 
The one that comes yes. to greet them from Earth. So there's two presidents. Ah, uh, the alien the president. Of, right, okay. Yeah. These, right, okay, okay. Now we're on the same page. Yeah, no, no, no. That is an actress. <laughs> the one that you're talking about. She was doing yeah. a lot of heavy lifting. She was in so yeah. many episodes. No, I'm talking about the president of United Earth in the season yeah. finale, that right at the end. And then, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's who, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, she's still good in it, don't get me wrong. but Yeah, and I still had no idea that she wasn't just an actress. There we go. Yeah, because... Yeah. Well, who you're talking about, though, would have to be an actress because she's pretty integral to the whole season. And it would be a massive risk on Paramount's behalf if they just had a rights activist from Georgia like having all this screen yeah. time with no acting experience. Yeah, I was talking about Federation President Lara Rilak, played by Chella Horstall. And yeah, you were talking about a completely different president because there are three presidents in this season. Yeah, I was talking about the president of United Earth because that was yeah. the whole thing. Like Earth, bizarrely, had retreated from the Federation. Yeah, and because it's known as the United Federation of Planets and you hear United Earth, your brain just goes, yeah, Federation. Of course it does. <laughs> they are two different entities in this show. Um, but yeah, uh, the Federation president is half Bajoran, half Cardassian, uh, which is an interesting mix, especially for those of us who watch Deep Space Nine. But yeah, it is 930 years in the future. So I was just going to say like DS9, especially you've like, how's that happen? Yeah. Yeah. Cause even, uh, the one, the main villain for DS9 had a half Bajoran daughter who that was, a, which is a great storyline of like this Cardassian who has a half Bajoran daughter and she hates him and is terrified, but he's trying to protect her because She'd be hated on both sides, um, which was so good. Um, sh- shout out to those episodes. And I can't remember the name of the character. It's the main Garrick. No, Garrick's the tailor. He was the tailor, it's... but he was the spy, wasn't he? Yeah. And the main antagonist from Cardassia was Gul Dukat. Ah, oh, Gul Dukat. Dukat's yes. oh. daughter was half Bajoran. Blast from the past. I know I said for it, you know, for us to keep it discovery, but you know, we've already started going on a bit of a tangent. Have you seen the docu-series The Center Seat? I don't think so, no. I was gonna say you need to watch it immediately, but wait until we're finished recording. You have yeah. to watch it. Late last year, it was released in the US on the History Channel. I think it's eight or nine parts. So it's a 45-minute docu-series presented by Gates McFadden. And it, is, okay. it covers the history of Star Trek from the original series up until Enterprise. All right, definitely have to watch it. It <laughs> is fantastic. Like There is a whole episode on DS9. There's a whole episode on Voyager and how put out the rest of the cast were when Jerry Ryan joined the show and all of a sudden she's on the front cover of all the magazines, <laughs> all the interviews were with her. And then again, it goes up to enterprise and it's, it is fantastic. It is called the center seat. And the whole thing here in Australia is available on binge. 
Oh, fantastic. I'll have to watch this. Oh, you will love it. You will love it. And they kind of, it only goes up until Enterprise, but when they made it, Lower Decks was a thing, Prodigy was a thing. So they kind of reference or touch on what's come after Enterprise, but that's as far as to go by giving, like like to say the, the final episode of the season is all about Enterprise. But episode one starts with the I Love Lucy show, Lucille Ball, and the cage with wow. Mike, and then casting William Shatner, and a whole episode all about Next Gen. Oh, you'll love it. Wow. Yeah. Uh, an interesting thing, the actor who plays Gould Ducart, who is Mark Alamo, Alamo uh, he was actually in the next gen episode when they first introduced Cardassians. And it's because Ah. of him specifically, he has a very long neck and it's because of his own uh, natural uh, build or physique that they gave the Cardassians those neck ridges to help blend that all in. So yeah, just a little bit of Star Trek (laughs) trivia for you there. Gould to cut. Phenomenal character. That is not even mentioned in the documentary. So well done. <laughs> You're giving out extra information. One last thing I will say on the center seat. It is from the makers of the toys that make us. Oh, I definitely have to watch it. It's brilliant. Like it is absolutely brilliant. And not everybody, but they get a lot of the actors and the, the writers and producers from the shows. They touch on the movies and they're all in the docuseries. Yeah. Yeah, I will uh, rush to watch that when we wrap up on this. Uh, back <laughs> yeah. to Discovery, yes, though. Back to Discovery. The um, we, we talked about the look of it. Like, I mean, it's it looks cinematic. Like you were saying before, like what can a movie give us that we can't get at home on the small screen with all this Star Trek content? And you know, whether it's the bridge, the look of the ship, everything, but the costumes. The uniforms, it's very different to what we got when Discovery first started and everybody was wearing those navy blue jumpsuits. Yeah. Whereas now it's a lot more a lot more military. And I guess the colour, there's a lot of reds. So it, it's a little bit like what we got in the in the Star Trek films from the Wrath of Khan onwards. Yeah. The way that things especially Michael's. Yeah, especially hers, the way that they're designed, but they're still giving us the like the primary coloured scheme. Like the, we've got the coloured uniforms. There's someone's in blue, someone's in yellow, or like a mustard yellow. Michael's yeah. in red. But, it, I mean, the the production value on the show is so is so high. So it, it really is, like, cinematic. Like, you just can't praise the look of the show enough and, you know, the special effects, you know, whether it's the ships and all of it, like it looks incredible. Yeah, it really does. Um, music as well. I mean, they've really hit it out of the park. Um, well, once again, so... it's Jeff Russo. He's yeah. been with the show since the beginning. And I think he does the main theme from Picard, but he doesn't do the music on the show. Maybe it's just the main theme. Yeah. I mean, that theme that you get here, I mean, you never, you never want to skip it. You always want to watch it. Although saying that Netflix, you could skip it. Paramount plus 
no skip button, which is fine no. though because it is. Yeah. It's, it's it's a good theme. It's a good you know title sequence. But yeah, Paramount Plus have not quite done that yet. Maybe that's something they're going to add when they add that other other patch. But the music's great, and we get it. So what we get here, I mean, the theme and the show on occasion, you'll get a portion of the Alexander Courage original theme. I mean, it's in the opening. On occasion, you will hear it, and with Picard. They do the same thing there, but instead of the Alexander Courage theme, it's the Jerry Goldsmith next-gen theme that was originally used for the motion picture. Yeah. I feel like with there's so many little musical motifs from each Star Trek series or films, the smallest motif, it just goes such a long way. Yeah, it does. It does. Um but and you know, talking about where the show ends for this season, I did find it to be a little bit convenient. <laughs> I was going to um, say they, neat with a bow on it, but yeah, yeah, convenient works. Yeah, uh, the the big one is they get to uh, it's the last two episodes. The last two episodes is them going to species ten C, having issues. Uh, getting through their technology, which is this, we'll call it a force field. It's a force field around their solar system. Um, And then they get through that. They have to learn an entire language because the universal translator doesn't work. I'm like, yeah, you know what? No worries. They got the pheromones from the planet that they landed on, knowing that it was probably going to be significant. All that fine. And the species is peaceful. So, they managed to work out like a like a solve between them. Like, oh, your technology is actually killing us. And unlike you, who is one consciousness, like even more different than not even more singular than the Borg, uh, and had no concept of the species that was like vast, but each one an individual. And they just, oh yeah, no worries. We'll turn off our tech. Um, and help make reparations uh and then it's the one thing book does of like because he's like oh we'll we'll just use it in unex uninhabited space and he's like that's not enough like you closed off like this you have no community and you know that this thing's so devastating you're taking away even the possibility of life evolving wherever it goes it needs to become it needs to go away and you can be part of a community and open and naked but i'm like and they say yes i'm like a little convenient a little convenient i mean the idea is always like an advanced species would be that much more peaceful and logical like yeah you know what good good point yeah we'll do that but yeah it just because it all came so late in the final episode and we've only just been introduced to i think I don't even think you see them until the last episode. It might be the near the end of the second last episode, but yeah. I feel like I only looked at them for a single episode. And they're these huge kind of jellyfish things, but like more like crab jellyfish. It's <laughs> I, they have bones. They're not yeah, just yeah, jelly. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Hard, hard you to don't describe, get but you've, you've done a good job there. But I mean, you're right. I mean, I, it is for the most part, 
the season is a bit of a slow burn. It is. But then towards the end of the season, and more so the finale, it is a little bit more action-packed. And as you say, you do actually see the aliens and, and the size. But, yeah, I mean, it pretty much ends with most things getting tied up. Yeah. Most loose ends are tied up. I mean, but what about this, though, right? So you're talking about Book there. And he's like saying to them, hey, 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 and a bit of back and forth there. And he's saying it's not enough. And then something happens. Book dies. Yeah. Burning yeah, I was going to say again. that. This. More tissues. <laughs> but for her and the strength of her character and her dedication to her role and to her crew, she's like, right, okay, that was hard. Book's died. He is the love of my life. Let's just carry on. But yeah. then the aliens are back. And so is Book. He's alive. Yeah. He's okay. So on one hand, I'm like, really sad to see him go. Although he didn't have yeah. the the best scenes when he was just with his mate. Yeah. Still a good actor. Or well, yeah, still a good actor, but still a good character. Like I was liking the character of Book, but there was a sacrifice made. There was genuine consequences until there weren't. Yeah, that which is I my mean, problem. At least with Star Trek: The Wrath of Khan, they wait until the next film to bring Spock back. Like, yeah. they don't just bring, you know, they bring Book back in the same episode. Yeah, uh, and it's it. Yeah, it feels like they needed a cost, and like, oh yeah, the cost was Tarka. Like, yeah, but we didn't empathize with him because nobody he was liked a dick. him. <laughs> Nobody liked but, it. <laughs> but book, not only is it a big thing for us, despite the fact that it had been a, like a, a huge loss to the series to have the actor not there anymore, but it was also that big thing, emotional loss for Michael, which you know we would have we, we were feeling. And then to have it wiped away is like I said, convenient. It's like everything's like I said, wrapped up in a nice little bow. And I'm like, oh, it got to the point where I started to wonder at the end of that last episode, is this, the, are they not going to do a season five? Because everything is wrapping so neatly. And with Tilly kind of going off to be a teacher at the Academy and the, the way they'd separated characters away from the, the, of the crew from discovery. I'm like, I, is, is that what you're planning on? Like, I don't, I, I it's neat enough that I wouldn't be like, that was our last episode. Like Enterprise's notoriously terrible final episode, which was a next gen episode on the holodeck. Don't get me started. But yeah, so it was neat in that way. But I, <laughs> do, do you know what? I, I've got to be honest, right? Do you know Enterprise is the only Star Trek series I haven't seen? Yeah. I but just, I haven't it gets... seen it. And thanks to the center seat, I know that. The finale of Enterprise, the cast weren't happy because Jonathan Frakes comes in and it turns out that, and nobody quite knows, did the whole series take place on the holodeck or was it just the final? Nobody really knows, but Riker is in it. But they, they have done that a lot, though, in the past. I mean, look back to the pilot for Next Gen. No, the, the pilot for Next Gen 
bones is in it as an old man. That's true. Defy Kelly, like he he was in it, but they've always found a way. And there's an episode of Voyager with Captain George LaForge. They find a way to have things cross over when maybe they necessarily shouldn't. Yeah, Brent Spiner's been in most of these seasons as a version of Dr. Sung. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we're watching season two of Picard. I mean, I know we'll talk about it a later date, but yeah, Yeah. Brent Spiner. (laughs) Yeah, very much. When you're watching an episode in its Picard season two, Patrick Stewart, Brent Spiner, directed by Jonathan Frakes. I mean, it's great because it feels like proper Star Trek, doesn't it? Classic Star Trek. Yeah. Gone on a bit of a tangent there. Oh, right, you were talking about, (laughs) yeah, Enterprise, Holodeck. Yeah, so yeah, so the the finale, if that was a series finale, I'm like, you know what? That's that would work. But I was still thinking, but I don't want the show to go away. <laughs> I'll enjoy no, it. I mean it really is of a high quality. Yeah. It's just it, one thing I do want for season five, and I'm sure you'll agree. Do not give me a federation threatening like danger that runs all season long no shrink it down a little bit but a lot um make the conflict more of a smaller scale like it can be a war between two factions that are quite large but i don't want like we've we've got a mystery of we've got to solve what the this big threat that to us all is like uh, we've done that now we've done that three times we've done the red angel We've done the burn and now we've done the DMA. I would like you to shrink it down a bit and, and which allows you to have more character moments. Like, you know, DS9 was so great because it was set up against the war that wasn't, that was big, uh, really big for who was involved, but it wasn't like it dragged in the entire Federation yeah. because it was on way out on the outskirts. Like that works. You can have a, you can have, a conflict much smaller but more personal because the stakes are more personal uh and you you know um the psychological damage and the 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 way that revo- uh reveals character traits that you want to get across and it also allow you to get more from the rest of the bridge crew you know you've got characters like uh Nilsson played by Sarah Mitchich who just delivers dialogue between other people. I don't know what her her task is on the bridge. Is she the She's blonde one? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't just, know. I, I don't did, actually know what her job is. I had the same thought. Yeah. She often, yeah, she just bridges conversations, but she's there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She she's a literal bridge crew member to bridge conversations. <laughs> Do you know yeah, because as she you, as you were talking then, I was thinking about, you know, what I'd like in the season five, because I mean. I think they are. I don't think this is the end. I mean, they, they they could. I mean, it would be a passable end to the show, but they're going to continue with, with Discovery. We've got no release date, but I'm sure season five is coming, but I don't think it would oh, be I'm good. pretty sure it's confirmed. It probably is, to be fair, but I'm thinking it would be great just to have the Discovery out there 
And then maybe there's a couple of two-parters, maybe some solo, like it's just some single episodes. But then I'm thinking, I reckon that's what Strange New World is going to be. Yeah, that's why I get the feeling. As I was watching Discovery, I'm thinking, what I'm not getting from this fourth season, I think that's what Strange New World is going to be. And And it is what we get from Lower Decks as well. Yeah, yeah, it, it is, but they're not going to do all the shows like that. So they're going to continue no. to find ways to do things differently. And if you're going to have like a classic Starship um, story of the week show, Strange New Worlds, that's where you're going to do that. And especially if you're going to go from Pike in season one to Kirk in season two, we already know that one of the... Um, new characters in Strange New Worlds is a horror. Ah. She's going to be in the show. Wow. So you've got... I mean, I'd heard the casting, I'd forgotten. Yeah, she's in it. So you've got Pike, Spock, number one, a horror. Season two, we're going to get Kirk. That's... I can... Honestly, I can see... Because you're still going to say that Discovery is still the flagship show. Yeah. And again, it looks amazing, but I've got a feeling for me personally, strange new worlds could quickly take over as the new favorite Star Trek show. Nothing against Picard. It is what it is. And it is, is a good show and it's great seeing Patrick Stewart back and spending more time with him and to get the other actors back from next gen in season three is going to be fantastic. But Strange New Worlds looks like Star Trek. Yeah, it's definitely. And the people I talk to all, all say the same thing. Like, regardless of how much they're enjoying the current stuff, they're, they are looking forward to Strange New Worlds. Because, like, because as I said, Star, Star Trek for the longest time has been episodic. It's not been series-length arcs. Um, they can always have that thing that percolates in the background that, becomes a through line but it's not usually at the expense of an adventure of the week or two-parters uh, which is what i'd like to say about season two of discovery so much yeah you had the whole red angel thing but it did feel like just a subplot in what was otherwise a story of the week and again there was pike like it's almost like they set it up for him like yeah like i mean a, that was like a, a prototype yeah that was a great thing about season two. We were talking about convenient storytelling earlier. Red Angel, Michael's mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so there we go. Uh, Strange New Worlds, though, May 5th. That's when that's when that comes out. They chose oh, so close. To, it is so close. I find it interesting that they, they chose that as a release date, which is the day after Star Wars Day, May 4th. Yeah, but we're getting <laughs> another Star Wars Day at May 25th when Kenobi drops. Ah, oh, there we go. The first two episodes. But um, Star Trek Discovery, though, let's go back to Star Trek Discovery. Once again, for the final time, if you're going to rate this fourth season out of five. Uh, it's, it's difficult. I think I'm going to come in about Probably around a three and a half out of five. 
I don't like giving that because the quality is so high. The all the acting, everything is firing on all cylinders. It's just where the the decisions of characters, especially around book, that dragged the enjoyment. Like so those where it started to feel like the show, like you said, the show lagged as we bogged down in that in the middle as well. Like because it moves quite quickly for the first four or five episodes, and those last two or three episodes was just like lightning. But in that middle there where you're watching book make these terrible decisions, slowed down the season and the convenience of the ending kind of like went the wrong way. Despite, like I said, most of the season was an easy four out of five, but just that, that wane. And I watched this over the course of of, uh, five days. Um, So because working away, uh, internet signal is almost non-existent in certain sites. So I thought, you know, I need to be at home where I have consistent internet. So imagine, like, I just think to the people who are watching it week in, week out, and especially with that, I think it was a month or six-week hiatus around Christmas in the middle there where it had started to slow down. I'm like, oof, that must have been tough. Um, but it's definitely worth checking out. I'm really looking forward to if they do a season five and like further development of the characters, especially the bridge crew that they have quite filled out yet. Um, But yeah, about three and a five, three and a half out of five. How about yourself? A bit lower, a bit lower than you, but only a little bit lower. I'm only coming at a three out of five. The look of the show and the performances, I've got no issue. It looks great. We've got a great cast, interesting characters, and we do get new interactions happening in this season. But unfortunately, I've got to be honest, I found a lot of the season a little bit boring. Mm. A little bit boring. And, and I had to finish it so we could do this review. Yeah. If not for this review, I think maybe I would be halfway through the season and planning on watching it at some point. But I had a reason to finish, so I did. And it does start to pick up. And again, it does get more action-packed towards the end. But it's it's that risk, isn't it? Whereas if you're going to have a a storyline that is going to run through the whole season, it can make or break a season. Yeah, if it's if it's phenomenal, you get season one of Westworld, which to my mind is still the greatest single season of television ever made, where it's each episode's compelling, it builds on the last and it gets you and it just feels like it accelerates through to the point. Um, whereas if you have a storyline that you're not into and you're in with you with it week and in, week keep out. Watching- because yeah, you're the, watching the, C- the CW hoping. superhero shows for a while, yeah, for a couple of years had this problem where you know you get 22 to 26 episodes a season, they've dropped it it's to a 19, one storyline, they've dropped it was, out to 19, it, but it's and they've split up the kind of storylines so yeah. you get more to a season. But before they did that, some of those seasons start long storylines. I'm like, oh, this guy's still the villain. Do you know Can what? We move though? on, right? With that. Of all the DC TV shows on the CW, only two of them at the moment have been picked up for another season. 
That is a ninth season of The Flash, where there's there's talks of it potentially being a abbreviated season, and the third season of Superman and Lois. Well, Superman and Lois is great. They should continue with that one. Of course. But Legends of Tomorrow, Naomi, Batwoman, nothing. We yeah. don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But yes, I mean, that, that's it, isn't it? So if the, if the main storyline isn't gripping or it's not working, then, then it's a struggle because, you know, as I'm watching this fourth season of Discovery, and I'm like, it looks amazing. The performances, the characters, there is so much to like here. But what's actually happening isn't really doing it for me. So I'm thinking, yeah. well, maybe we'll get a better fifth season. But, you know, yeah. it's still it's still a recommend. It's three out of five. It's, for me, the weakest of the seasons so far. But, yeah. again, when a show looks as good as this and the cast is as solid as this, it's it's a little bit disappointing, but... You know, I, I did say, you know, there have been COVID restrictions, whether that played into the main storyline or not. But yeah. I'm hoping well, like for you said, a stronger fifth season. On the, on the opening, the, they had longer to work on scripts than they had any other season. But unfortunately, their idea of the DMA was in, was it's partly inspired by their own... in. Uh, realities and experiences with the covid pandemic which i think maybe helps speak to where it drags because i don't know these last few years time has felt like a drag i mean we've we've been spoiled with the quality of shows that we've gotten in this time i just like star trek shows included in those yeah it's just but you know i I don't want Star Trek to be fast-paced and action-y. I, it's never been that for me. It's always been about character first and always speaking on some larger uh, issue, usually a, a contemporary issue as well. But I don't need it to be a pandemic. and I don't need it, things of that nature. And please don't do anything on climate change because apparently that was the inspiration for Game of Thrones. Oh, really? The White, the White Walkers was George R. R. Martin's take on climate change. This thing <laughs> nice. that they know is coming because winter yeah. is coming. Winter, oh, well. Yeah. Everyone's ignoring like, oh, it's not going to be an issue for us. I'm like, but the main part of the story was actually the fighting of these families over who gets to rule everyone. Like, so I don't need anything like that, but I do want thoughts of politics and uh, ethics and morality, which has been the Star Trek staple since the beginning, which we do still get, but we don't seem to be it as this season seem to get a little bit bogged down with that, that yeah. whole big thing that's on top of everyone. I mean, everyone, all the characters get these great character moments. Tilly is kind of having like an early midlife crisis because now she's in this new reality of being in the future where she thought she was heading and what the reasons why she went there suddenly don't matter. And she's like, why am I even doing this? Who am I impressing? Those people are all long dead. Like, these are great character moments that you, we want to dig in, but we don't, we won't, don't want those moments to be overshadowed by, as you said, a kind of 
long drawn out, somewhat dull main story of what is it? Who's responsible? Yeah. What's going on here? I'm like, I don't need that anymore. So hopefully, I, hopefully more standalone stories in in that next season, and hopefully they've got the pandemic out there out of the system, so they're not going to yeah. be having that be the through line for season five. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's it for our episode all about Star Trek Discovery Season 4. If you'd like to contact us about this episode or suggest a topic for an upcoming episode, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. You've been listening to Luke and Jay, the guys from Sounds Like Comics. See you soon.